You did better than John and I. I'm not sure if you listened to last week's episode. John and I both tried to do it. It didn't really go very well. But we the problem tried. was that we tried it's all to do the it. Inflection. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, it's the inflection and the fact that yeah, John and I just failed. <laughs> right. But also but we, we tried try. too hard. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Dun, 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 the, Donna. Yeah, see, see even Matt that's failed too. too hard. Matt failed too. <laughs> yeah. You gotta make it flat at the end. Yeah, it, it's just like it's something cool, something cool. It's just a word. Donner. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I put too much on that. Yeah, that's too much. Now you're messing it up. Yeah. Uh, so with that wonderful intro, hi and welcome behind the hype. With your host is always Brian Dressel. With me as always is Chewy Darso. Hi. Jonathan Hardesty. Howdy. Special guest this week, Mr. Matt Dykes. Good morning, slash evening, slash afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this, actually. Yeah, it's morning for you, it's evening for us, and it's whenever the fuck people are listening to it. This works out great for everybody. Mm. Matt covered them all. That's true. Yeah. This is one of those all times. It's one of those fun, uh, fun evenings where I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna start my even, end my day by talking to Matt. I'm gonna wake up early next morning and talk to Matt again." Because <laughs> I'm just so awesome, right? Right. So we did Lethal Weapon two this week. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Moving ever so quickly along. Um, yeah, so here we are in, uh, yes, Matt is that awesome. I'm not going to be that mean. Um, I usually am. So we're in, what is this? Week two, three, three, three. of Donner Month. Because I wasn't um, on two. That's right. Uh, three out of five, even though I'm still not hundred percent sure what we're doing next week yet. I should probably figure that out throughout the rest of this episode. I'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, here we are week three. And for some reason I thought, and you probably heard me talk throughout all these weeks, That'd be a great idea to do Lethal Weapon 2 instead of Lethal Weapon. And after watching Lethal Weapon 2 again, I'm like, wow, that's a lot better than I remembered it. Should have done Lethal Weapon 1. Because yeah, I don't <laughs> think I've ever seen Lethal Weapon 1. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely might, not bad. I might have seen this one when I was little. Might have? I mean, there's things I remembered. Like, I remember the to- exploding toilet thing. But there's also the trailer. It was? Yeah. Oh. It, it ended with, like, the, the toilet seat hitting, like, the car, and it says, they're not taking any more crap. On the toilet seat. Yeah. Oh, cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Except there was no crap. I was waiting for some poo to fly somewhere. Nowadays, <laughs> if this movie was made, you'd see that poo. Oh, yeah. You, you don't well, skip on the poo. Someone would have made a joke about the fact, God, it's like poo's been sitting here for hours when they're trying to get him out. I, I do like f- about the, the toilet thing. I do like that they actually physically fired a toilet out of a house for, that for is a pretty shot. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty amazing. That is pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, so here we are talking Lethal Weapon 2, which I don't dislike. I thought it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, but it did just kind of make me go like, man, Lethal Weapon 1 is such a better movie. Uh, I kind of wish I'd just taken this opportunity to rewatch it. But at the same time, we still got to watch Lethal Weapon 2, which was not bad. It's better than 3 and 4, and I don't even mind 3 and 4 that much, to be perfectly honest. They do feel starkly different after this one, though. They do? I think so. I, this is not a franchise I was ever involved with. Yeah, they're they're funnier. They definitely lose like the suicidal edge that Mel Gibson has throughout the first two. Like they kind of get rid of that. I mean, that story does really come to a close here, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but still good. Uh, should we do a, a very quick rundown so we can start diving into it? Sure. Uh, John, do you feel like doing a rundown? Think you can do it? I'll give it a, a I'll give it a go. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. Uh. So. 
Riggs and Murtaugh, they uh, start the movie pursuing some blonde guy in a car, and it's they find that there's money inside, um, what they call it? It was... Kruger. Just gold coins. Just to call gold coins. Yeah, gold coins. And they eventually trace it back to a, a diplomat and try to nail him, but he's got this diplomatic immunity. And what follows is a bunch of back and forth between them and him. Meanwhile, they also have to keep uh, Joe Pesci safe uh, from the mob. And that goes as well as you might think. And uh, it ends at a shootout on a boat. Yeah. That pretty much does it. I mean, the guy yeah. who owns the uh, the ice shop from Mighty Ducks is a real dick in this movie. Um. <laughs> Just so you guys all know, I tried really hard, but I still fell asleep. <laughs> so I don't remember the fight on the boat. Yeah, there was a fight on the boat. I remember them going to a boat. Yep, they went to a boat. I remember them going... Oh no, they're going to kill all those poor guys that are just working on the dock. They're probably just good old American Union members and they're just going to murder all of them cuz this is the type of movie we're about to watch. I mean, this movie does have the highest body count out of any of the Lethal Weapon movies. Yeah. They do just murder like crazy. They just in murder this. everybody. Yeah. They're just a bunch oh, of murdering yeah. detectives. They don't even ask questions half the time. They just go in there and they just start shooting people. <laughs> I mean, it is some some I, damn fine police work is what let's it is. just start yeah. with that like the the police work in this movie i, I honestly feel like that's the best place to start for they, this one they'd be fired like even in the <laughs> 80s standards like oh my god <laughs> i mean i i always like the phrase you know shoot first ask questions later but in leave the weapon too they shoot first end of statement yeah, <laughs> they, yeah they, they don't even they ask the question questions, questions. <laughs> They'll just make a they joke shoot, and leave. And no questions. <laughs> so, well, they just murdered everybody there. I hope they were bad guys. We're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's the attitude. And they you know are bad guys, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. They never really have established how any of them are actually bad guys. Uh, they're like, okay, apartheid, well, I mean, South they're, they're African. Not... They have accents. Bad guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Shoot yeah, except for the hot blonde chick. She's not a bad guy. She nicked all those boxes. I mean, her husband was a bad guy. That's yeah. a that's a dig Wait. at Liam Gallagher. Um, huh? <laughs> Liam Gallagher was her husband. That's how I, I know who she is. In real life? Yeah, they're they're married for a long time. Oh. Liam Gallagher is the douchebag from Oasis. Oh. Yeah, that you, guy. You lost me. I'm I don't sorry. Know anything about a lo- Oasis? Liam Gallagher's an asshole. That's all you need to know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Oasis fans, all ten of you listening. Now <laughs> <laughs> none of them. <laughs> There's dozens of us. Dozens! (laughs) But uh, I don't remember when I realized that they were just like the... Because it's not like in Tucker and Cash, right? Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash, where it's such a heightened reality where whatever they do is fine because it doesn't matter. (laughs) Because it's Tango and Cash. Yeah. (laughs) This movie has a sense of like taking place in actual reality a little bit these are a couple of la detectives yeah and i'm like whoa i think for me it clicked sometime after joe pesci when joe pesci does his okay 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 and he knows where like uh, everybody is and like you know where everybody is we're gonna murder everybody and joe pesci's like let's go yeah they're just supposed to be hanging out with this guy and they're like all right uh let's go for a murder fest we don't need any warrants we don't need to call our boss we don't need to tell anyone we're going to bring the person we're supposed to be protecting with us yep uh and I we're do, just going to go love... in with our guns out oh and the moment you know that they're t- um, 
Sorry, go on. So where the uh, um, where the captains where, where they're talking to the captains like who the hell is this? It's like and he goes Leo gets. He's like gets get. You took a civilian on a bus. The civilian you're supposed to be protecting. He's like, oh, I usually stay in the car. He's like, usually, usually. <laughs> <laughs> I lo- I love that bit so much because like yeah, they're very adamant about that. <laughs> but I was most like the moment where I'm like these two, these are both two way too high strung guys, is when the guy is doing construction. Holding a nail gun, <laughs> he uses the nail gun, and they both pull their guns out, and like within a split second, are about to shoot him. And not even normal shoot; they like fall down on the ground for oh, yeah. cover. Like we just got out of Vietnam, about to shoot him. I mean, to be fair, Mel Gibson is a like PTSD suicide, like contemplating crazy person in the first movie, and the second movie a little bit better, but it's still there. Like he likes to remind people he's crazy and does his little. <laughs> Like, I'm crazy. Yeah. And like we have the IMDb photo up right now. It's just like the trailer, and he just looks like a crazy person holding a gun. And you know oh, what yeah. that means? He shouldn't be active. <laughs> yeah, he should, probably shouldn't have a <laughs> he gun. He should have a desk job. But if he had a desk job, they would have gotten away with their drug money. They're very ambiguous yeah. drug They're money. They're ambiguous. <laughs> so ambiguous. We're bad guys. We We sell drugs. We don't know who they're selling drugs to or what type of drugs or anything, but they got a lot of money, so it's got to be drugs. I know in the... Well, actually, I mean, I was reading about the Shane Black version. I know the Shane Black version, it was cocaine, because at one point, like, they blow up a, a plane or something, and cocaine rains down on L.A. like it's snow is in the script. Yeah. I want to see that movie. Well, a lot of people want to see <laughs> the Shane wanna, Black one. I just want to yeah. see a movie where... Everyone in LA gets cocaine out for one evening, and we see what really happens. It's, see, it's an LA, LA in the nineties. Well, <laughs> not everyone. <laughs> but where it's like well, the Shane Black version was a was a lot darker as well. Like it, you know, he killed off Riggs at the end of his uh, at the end of the script. I mean, this one does okay. too, technically. It does. Okay, so what happened? I mean, technically, the last shot in the movie is from the ending that they shot with Riggs dead. They just liked it better. But he's so far yeah. away, you can't tell that he's dead. But technically, that is the version of when Riggs is dead. Oh. Yeah, and they just okay. looped them speaking. Yeah. <laughs> so help me out with this one. You're talking about different versions. Was there a different cut of this, or is there just like an original script? That so like... it's the original script. Uh, the, okay. um, I know nothing Shane about Black this, script. So. Um, well, that's the thing. It's, it's one of the most sought-after scripts of his as well because it's it's lost this original script um but it was a lot darker it was um it ended with i think like the the, the big shootout was in the hollywood hills or something there's a big fire and rigs it, that, like yeah, wasn't it like during a fire or something? or something yeah something like like a, a fire in the hollywood hills or something it was the stilt house was the final showdown yeah. and that was on fire or something and Riggs sort of like charges in and dies in in the fire or something and the the bad guys i believe it was supposed to be originally uh, latin americans as well and um and then it was uh they were a lot more brutal as well so there was like instead of like you know where they kill all the the detectives who were on uh Murtaugh's task force Apparently they actually tortured them in the original script as well, and uh, Riggs was tortured as well. Um, oh, wow. so it, was, it was a really, really, really dark script. Uh, so it never made it, it. Never made it out of that script stage. Just like there wasn't no controversy. No, it was too dark. To, basically, yeah, they basically went to Shane Black and said you have to rewrite it, and he's like, no. 
And then apparently he even offered to give back his money that they paid him to write the initial draft. And then his agent's like, fuck that. Keep your money. You still did the work. They're just going to go hire somebody else. Mm. And that's okay, when Jeffrey okay. Bohm came on. And then Jeffrey Bohm, I think, wrote the third and the fourth, or maybe just the third. He wrote the third, and he did a draft of the fourth, which was then rewritten by another guy called Robert My Robert's Robert something Cayman. I don't remember okay. the surname because it's the same surname as the composer. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, like the the Shane Black version sounds like a, a really good movie, but it doesn't really like it's so the the bit that I've read about it, it's just so fucking dark that I can see why somebody like Donner is like, eh, no, because it wasn't like everyone was fighting for Shane Black. Everyone said no. So it's just kind of yeah. like, well, that was just never going to happen. It is a bummer that Shane Black still to this day says that's his best work. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah. But Can I put it into a novel? I don't think so. I think somebody else owns the rights. Or maybe it actually is lost and it's not just one of those like, it's lost things. But who knows? Yeah. Um, but let's start talking about the actual movie that lost. we... Let's yeah, talk yeah. about the movie Sorry for the diversion, but uh, I, wanted, I, was, I was thinking of the previous episode with the Donner cut and I got kind of into a different cut mode. So that's why I was curious. Yeah. So, yeah. Pardon my aside. <laughs> no, all good. I mean, Shane Black still does have a credit for story by it because they still did use elements of his original script, like the stilt house falling down. Um, yeah. Joe Pesci's character was still in it. He was in it much less. That sort of stuff. So, like, he still does get a credit for it. Um, but now that I've said his name, I, I just kind of move directly into Joe Pesci. Can we just start talking about Joe Pesci in this movie? Because like, oh, everyone yes. who's like, this okay. movie's okay. too okay. funny. Okay. It's like, okay. well, it's funny okay. 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 because of Joe Pesci. <laughs> you know, and I... that even the okay thing is so good, they put it into fucking uh, Home Alone. The name of the plumbing van they're on is OK Plumbing, and that's because of yeah. the line in this. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what he based that on? He based it on the Disney employees, apparently this Disney employee or something in yeah. Disneyland because he, he, he was asking them where where where's this ride was or something and the guy was like okay 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 okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you go down here you go and that was like you know and he, he took that element out and put it into Leo Getz and it's so funny because like if you look at who was originally supposed to play him that list is epically long they, they went to DeVito they went to yeah. tons of people and everybody said no well he's got a manic energy in this and I think that worked really well uh, that yeah. was Kind of where, like where I really started to be interested in this movie, and like once he showed up, I was like, "Oh, I kind of see what we're doing in this movie," because it's been forever since I've seen bits and pieces of one and two. <laughs> so, like, my memory of this is very foggy. And then when Pesci shows up, it's like, "Oh, I, I get the vibe we're going for here." It's kind of like Three I mean, Stooges a little bit, like you know, uh, he's the the one that gets slapped around a little bit, like the, the first introduction. Where um, where he's like, he's so like oh hey, old fashioned wheel gun, so and like he grabs him, and and then um, he points at Riggs's, and then Riggs slaps him, and he sort of like bounces into Murta, and Murta's like, get off me. <laughs> and then within you know two minutes, he's about to get murdered, and they push him through a window into a pool. Yep. <laughs> it is very slapsticky. Oh yeah, I mean Riggs even watches Three Stooges at some point, and yeah, apparently that's because Mel Gibson loves the Three Stooges, so huh. he. Three Stooges is pretty funny. I mean, they are pretty funny. But the the slapstick nature is pretty good. And I I also love the... (laughs) Danny Glover comes running down after they go flying out of the window. You're my partner. Why do you come down after me? And Joe Pesci's like, yeah, why do you come after us? Yeah. And I just love Rose. Shut up, I'm seven floors up. (laughs) I just like the juxtaposition between 
the two characters with the TV things, honestly, when I think about it right now, mm -hmm. because we don't, we only see the TVs like twice, really, like majorly, where they're kind of important. Mm -hmm. So we see the first time it's with uh, Murtaugh? Murtaugh's family, and they're about to watch the commercial <laughs> that his daughter's in. <laughs> And the thing, like, I was very distracted during that entire scene at the very beginning to be like, wait, what are they watching? This looks familiar. Like, I think I know what that is. And then I just see the big tales from the crypt come on their television. I'm like, oh, they're watching Tales from the Crypt. Oh, how much fun. Donner was also involved in Tales from the Crypt. He was? Yeah. Oh. But then his uh, daughter's commercial comes on, <laughs> which happens to be for, you know, safe sex, you know, just make sure you got some condoms. Which, for Murtaugh, is like a Tales from the Crypt thing. <laughs> like, what kind of terrible nightmare could it be bestowed upon him? And having his daughter in a condom commercial is one of them, I would imagine. <laughs> so that's just, like, his character's, like, mindset about how he's just always thrown into all these situations that are absolutely grotesque. But he's very much a participant in all of them at the same time. And then you have... Uh, Mel Gibson's character. What's his Riggs. name? Riggs. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I was not invested in this franchise. <laughs> um, Riggs. And he is just a screwball, violent, slapstick man who, of course, loves the Three Stooges. Like, I just think those two are... The choices of having those two shows associated with the characters is a really good choice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. That, 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 now that you point that out... Yeah, no, that's a really good, a very good insight to the characters, and one that they almost put like you you would blink and miss it if you weren't careful. Oh uh, yeah, so it's... and it's just it's another one of those notch to Donner. Like Donner was an excellent filmmaker. Like he he put the work into the details, and you know, one of the people in the show really picked up on it. Way to go, Chewie! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, if he was involved with Tales from the Crypt, I don't know if that was a specific character choice then or it just happens to work for me i think it kind of works even if it was unintentional like who cares like it still works yeah. it still works as a thematic thing especially going to that thing I i'm going to give a, a brief personal story about this movie i apologize um no i don't apologize fuck you um wow <laughs> i got I'm real sorry. aggressive there uh you know what <laughs> i'm standing by it when i was a kid and i watched this movie with my dad and that commercial comes up i remember asking my dad why are they so mad about that commercial? He just went, drop it. <laughs> he just would not answer. <laughs> your dad was like, hey, see? See, your dad, your dad does not participate in any Tales from the Crypt storylines. No, he, he does not. He shuts it down. He shut it down real fast. <laughs> That's amazing. I do like uh, later on in the uh, the film as well, though, when uh, they're in the, the squad room and Murtaugh's like, why is everyone sitting at my desk? And they all get up and they've, they've all... <laughs> A rubber plant. <laughs> that rubber were those used? <laughs> no. I it, it looked like some of them were so. used. They, but some of them, you know, some brands just have a lot of lubricant on them already. Not in them. Well, they probably put some stuff in them. Because I bet they did. That's the very... that's what I'm questioning. <laughs> none, of the, none of these are very good cops. No, this They're does very not dirty shine cops. a very good light on the LAPD at all. Though, not, though, not that though, that's really an easy thing to do, but those condoms symbolize that they're all dirty cops. The, the, the woman that's in all of the James Cameron movies, I don't remember her real name. Oh, man. Uh, I love her death. 
when oh, she's going to go, when she's about to go, you know, do a nice dive into the pool, Janet yeah. Goldstein, Goldstein. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then she yeah. just does this amazing flip. She flips in the air like three or four times. Like she, she gets, gets some a amazing air right there. I also Olympic think she level. might have been fine. <laughs> it depends whether or not the blast like knocked her out. Because if the blast knocked her out, she would she would drown when she got into the water. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. 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 yeah, you do a flip like that, though, and you can just like per- everyone can think you're dead, and you just go off and live your own life. You're, like. You- yeah. That's it. That's it after a jump like that. Because let's be honest, if it was Riggs or Murtaugh, they would have survived. Yeah, they would be fine. <laughs> but maybe I mean, this is their plot armor. So, funny story about that, though. So, the that shot was originally scheduled way later on. Um, but the actress found out she was pregnant really early into filming. And instead of replacing her, which would have probably been the easier thing to do, they moved the schedule around so they could do that shot before she started to show which I think it's a real credit to sort of like Donna, I guess, in in like a, in a way that like you know, yeah, it probably would have been easier to just like reshoot the the very little things that they'd done and recast someone. I mean, but you know, but they actually did. didn't. They they changed the schedule around. I yeah, yeah. For a you you did. <laughs> it's a low bar to beat. I know. Could you could you kill could you kill us too? I didn't hear it. She said that's better than Joss Whedon. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Will that stay in? <laughs> you have to listen and find out. Joss Whedon would have been like, either get rid of it or you're recast. <laughs> That's now, so fucked up, but also kind of true. It's exactly true. <laughs> just what just would have been bullying them into it, saying, are you sure you want to keep it? Have you ever thought of an abortion? Mm? Oh, my God. What a horrible <laughs> scumbag. Yeah. Um, so more about this movie. Scumbags. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Going, back to, like, going back to like, Richard Dunn, who is absolutely the complete opposite, like the nicest guy ever. It's amazing I mean, like, for me watching these Richard Donner films, and he—he's known as being such a sweet man. Yeah. And these movies, from what I've been watching so far, because I'd never seen The Omen, and I've never seen, you hadn't seen Iron the Donner Man Cut. Too. I'd never seen the Donner Cut. I'd you call Iron this. Man too? Sorry. <laughs> Superman too. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved well, to see Iron, Iron Man too. The Donner Cut. He I would have loved to see Iron Man. There's a okay. He's very Man of Iron. No, wait. All of his characters are so male. Machismo. Like, a traditional sense of what a man should be type of thing. Mm -hmm. And normally, that's incredibly toxic. And out of, you know, the the Omen and Superman 2, these guys are, like, the most toxic I've seen so far. Oh, yeah. Superman is so traditional, but not toxic at all. And the dad or husband in The Omen, very traditional, very British. He's not even British. He's American, but he's in a British. He feels British. He feels British. (laughs) No offense. Uh, He's like masculine stoic of an old time. uh, But he also was caring and yeah everything so it's just really interesting for going from that to this and just thinking about him as what i've heard of as a director i'm just now become watching donner films really i wasn't yeah. wasn't really watching them before it's just, it's interesting to me 
Well, I, he's very much like the opposite of Michael Bay, who everyone says is a terror, and he loves his machismo. Yeah. I mean, maybe it has something to do with Shane Black. Like, Shane Black does write just brutal fucking characters. He kind of always has, probably always will. Uh, and this did really come from the brain of uh, of Shane Black. Like, the yeah. first one was a Shane Black written thing. So that could have a lot to do with it, and Donner's just doing the best he can. Because he does soften them around the edges here and there. Like, he does make... Uh, he does make Murtaugh a pretty good dad. Like, he doesn't blow his stack at his daughter's condom commercial. No. He's more so... His problem with his daughter's condom commercial is the fact that the entire station is watching the condom commercial. Yeah. Not the fact that she was in it, just the way that it's going to affect his life. I know yeah. that doesn't make it that much better, but that it, it does make it better. I mean, yeah, it's, it's unexpected in a good way. It's a time situation. Exactly, yeah. if, if he was a dad nowadays, he'd probably be like, whatever, it's her body. Yeah. But even so, what, what I'm saying is, like, that that could have gone a very different way of, how could you do this? That wasn't the problem. It was more so, like, Riggs, how could you tell everyone to watch this commercial? I didn't know what it was. Like, that was the problem. Yeah, now, so I do yeah. appreciate that. Now I'm going to get a rubber tree. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then he laughs about it eventually. He does. He so like, embarrassed. So that's what I mean. Like, he does, like, they do dull the edges. They are very sharp edges, but, you know, I still wouldn't want to, like, slap my hand on them. But... I mean, Murtaugh would probably be a much better cop if he wasn't with Riggs. But yeah. <laughs> Riggs seems to, he's one of those characters where everyone's just like, you're crazy, we shouldn't listen to you, but we're going to anyways. I just, and it's just so fucking, like, I appreciate it. I enjoy it. But it's also like, it's so cliche at this point that it's comical where he's like, he just found out that his, the killer that he's been fighting this whole movie is the same killer that killed his wife from before the first movie. And then he killed his girlfriend again in this movie and he's going to go kill him. And he calls up his partner. He's like, I'm not a cop tonight. Which, it's like, shut by up. By the way, what <laughs> happened to her body? It just stayed underwater. They just left it. No, 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 he, he carried it around. around I was kidding. Her. I was kidding. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. He's just he walking around. He's pacing with... around with her corpse, and then the next thing we see is him in his car driving. Yeah, he gave it to a morgue. <laughs> <laughs> he just left it Did with the others. they ever go back to her? I, no. I like how the immediate thought was like, he gave it to someone. Like, he gave it to just some, like, uh, beach bum. Yeah. The, the, he the just left somewhere. Sam, the dog, with her. Just like, just yeah, watching he left Sam the dogs. Sam's in all four movies. Sam's going to eat her. <laughs> <laughs> That's what dogs do eventually if you don't give them food and they're by a dead body. That's cats. No, it's dogs too. Oh. It's more cats. It's cats will just do it sooner. Yeah. <laughs> cats yeah, are just kick. like, cats are waiting. Dogs have no other options. <laughs> right, right. Dogs have to fight with their loyalty uh, to I mean, the human cats, race. Cats and are cats waiting are like... to eat you before you're dead. So every now and again, <laughs> I'm sure they'll look at you and they go, I might eat you tonight. <laughs> that's why you never let cats in your room at night yeah so what's the name of the pirate in uh princess bride robert dread pirate roberts yes dread thank you pirate, dread pirate. you know it's like the way he says to people he's like you know i might kill you tonight yeah. might kill you tomorrow <laughs> i'll kill you in the morning <laughs> sleep well <laughs> that's cat God, that's such a good book yeah. and movie um i don't know now we're i keep we're going everywhere that's fine um what have we missed? I know there's a ton of stuff in this movie that we can talk about. Do you want to talk some set pieces? Well, I was going to say, like, the stunt work. But, yeah, like set set pieces and stunt work. Um, yeah, those kind of go hand in hand. They, they just... The, the stuff they do in this film, and it's all real. There's no CGI. It's just... They push the envelope in the stunts. Construction is a co-star. So... Oh, absolutely. I would love to find someone and talk to them about what it was like to be construction on this. 
and then special effects to make sure it all, you know, didn't kill people at the end. And they're well, pulling it all apart. That house shot is a half million dollar shot. Yeah. The so they <laughs> did insane. pull they did pull down well, they they blew down a real house and um it was Funnily enough, it's not the it's not the actual house that you see the sh- the front of because I've been to that house and it's still standing. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was the, so it was like a a house that so the construction went in and they like used chainsaws and apparently they chainsawed like all the the structural stuff halfway. And when they blew oh, that man. and it went down, they they'd drawn a line uh, on the road and said that's where it's going to stop. And it and it stopped and hit that line. I, I don't know how they managed to do that, but the way that they did the controlled uh, explosion and like the, the the prep work, they they knew exactly where it was gonna was gonna actually stop. That's, and I think that's amazing. I know exactly how they did it. Math. Math. Yeah. <laughs> they did a shitload of math. Shit. Yeah. Shitload of math. These are probably people not like me, not like Brian, who went to film school. These are the people I meet on a daily basis who's like, you know, I got a, got like an engineering degree and I got out of college and then, you know, I had a friend who said, yeah, you want to work on this movie? And then, hey, I was working in movies. Well, yeah, because in film school, they're like, fuck math. It's <laughs> <laughs> like the first thing you right, learn in right. film school. I work with so many people who have such more impressive degrees than I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, they do and this type of shit. I never even picked up my degree. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I think so I got an email. They don't require you. Uh, in film school, they definitely uh, discourage you from putting skill points into smart things. <laughs> well put. <laughs> I talk good. <laughs> I English hey, we're, well. Um, we're all working. It's true. <laughs> Let's hope none of our bosses listen to this podcast. Um. For me, though, like when it comes to like set pieces in this, like, the scene that I will always remember, and I have a feeling a lot of people agree with me or feel the same way, that always sticks with me is the bomb in the toilet seat. Yeah. like That's my favorite sequence in the whole movie. I think it's just so well done. It's both funny and incredibly tense. Uh, Danny Glover and Mel Gibson are both super on point throughout the whole thing. I just I love that sequence. I think it's just great. It's so good, like the way that Riggs will not leave Murto as well, like where he's, he's telling him to get out, and he's just like no, and and then he's like Riggs out, and he doesn't even say no, just looks at him and it's like, all right, fine, and it's just I, I love the 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 performance in that, and just the sort of the way it's directed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's so well done, like it sort of like shows it shows their relationship and how close they are. Well, yeah, because in the beginning of the movie, I'm just wondering like, why is Mel Gibson's character, why is Riggs there with them all the time? Why is he around all the time? Like, because I'm still very fo- foggy on the first movie, but then when we get to that scene, that specific scene, and they just have their moment, it was like, oh, they've got something deep here. Yeah, it's like they're like, they're like family, uh, really, yeah. in this one, and in, in all really- of them. To be fair, going forward, like you know, the first one is kind of like. It's less less like family because they're sort of like forced together. But everyone that comes after it is like Riggs is a part of the family. Yeah, and I think both of them together really sell that point. Like it really works well. Um, I, I should probably go back and watch three and four at some point. Mm. I remember four getting horrible reviews, and whenever I watched it, I was like, "This isn't that bad." Maybe maybe I won't like. They're it all much pretty good films, to be fair. Rock's in it. That's all I know. I, the only thing I remember disliking before was I'm like, why is Joe Pesci still here? That was my only thing that I remember. And that, I saw that when I was pretty young, and I still remember just like, what is he doing here? He feels so out of place at this point. 
Sure. It's just hanging around. It's like it's like a bad rash. <laughs> uh. Uh. So, should we talk about the thing that is the linchpin in this movie? I guess we should. Yeah. And then we'll move into favorite moments. Yeah, sure. All right, what's the linchpin? Yeah. Apartheid. I was trying to avoid it as much as I could. Oh. Um, well, no, but you're right. It's such a thing. It, it really there is, is an interesting reason why it's in the film, though. So, what? in the first film... They had this anti-apartheid um, thing on Murtaugh's fridge, just a set decoration, and they got a load of letters about it. Some, some of them were like, "Yeah, yeah, glad that you're sort of like showing like against apartheid." And then there was a there was a quite a lot of people who wrote in who were like, "No, oh, this is ridiculous. How dare you try and you know tell me that apartheid's wrong or something like that?" And like it's like ridiculous stuff. And um, I believe, I think Richard Donner got some threats as well for, for putting wow. it in. Um, and then they were like, in the second one, they were like, right, well, let's just make all the bad guys um, South African apartheid supporters. And it was just like, it's like a big fuck you to the to the people who were like, it was like so annoyed at them for having a, a little sticker. It's like, well, let's make the whole the whole second film around apartheid then. Hmm. And that is interesting. It, I mean, did Danny Glover play uh, Nelson Mandela in something? Yeah, I think in between uh, Lethal Weapon and Lethal Weapon 2, there was a TV movie, I think, that he played Nelson Mandela in. Huh. Yeah, because I, I remember reading, like, there was, a like, a like one of those, like, tidbit things somewhere on the internet that said, like, they played this movie unannounced on TV after Nelson Mandela won his presidency in 94. Huh. Yeah. Like, people really attached themselves to that part of this movie. So that is good. I mean, it did bring it up for a lot of people who probably in America were just like, that's not our country, not my problem, I'm not going to pay attention to it. And this I mean, movie, the bit... since it was so popular, really does throw it in your face. Yeah. The bit in the consulate is hilarious as well. Like, oh, where, yeah. where um, Leo's <laughs> say, talking about, oh, my friend wants to go to South Africa, I want you to talk him out of it. And then he comes, he's like, I'll find, I'll find. And he comes down and goes, and the, guy, the look on the guy's face is brilliant. And just... Um, black. Yeah, because you're black. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. And then, like later on, when when he's uh, when uh, Joe Pesci's recounting, it's like, but 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 you're black. <laughs> he's black. <laughs> I just love the way that they just absolutely rip the piss out of uh, the, the the guy. And I just love how air he. I, I still don't know how he got into the consulate because surely. They like security would have not let him in, but B, I just I'm love sh- how he just starts. Yeah, he showed his badge. Or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's probably also needed for the movie. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's needed for the movie, and it's also needed for. It's not my favorite moment, so I'm not going to ruin anything right now. But it, I think it might be the best line in the entire movie, and I'm pretty sure it's improv. Is right after he goes, "You're black," and they cut to Joe Pesci, and he goes, "You are." Yeah. And then he's like, um, and then Murto goes on his rant as well, and it's like, free South Africa, you dumb son of a bitch. And then, because like Joe Pesci's just been repeating like random words, and then it like, he's like, free South Africa, you dumb son of a bitch, you dumb son of a bitch. I, I think that's the hardest I laughed in the entire movie was at the, you are. Yeah. <laughs> it just, I love it, it follows it with, he is. It's like, you are. Oh, yeah. He you is. Are. He is. <laughs> Thanks, Leo. <laughs> right on point. Oh, man. So, it, to, outside of all the context, this movie is just interesting to me in that regard because 
it's just such a topic that since we were young, I was nine. Not, not even nine. Yeah. Sorry. This came out in 1989. Yeah, so I've been three. Yeah. I would have been. What's the I same can, age as I Corinth? can do math. I would have been six. Uh, and then apartheid officially ended in like 1990, right? I honestly don't remember. Pretty soon after this movie came out. Yeah. So it was not really in our spheres of thought growing up. And we just hear the word every now and then and be like, that was bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I learned I've learned about it so much more since Trevor Noah has yeah. been in our lives than I ever <laughs> did before. And then watching uh District Nine since yeah. it was an hour. I was funny, I was thinking that. I was thinking like I learned a lot of about apartheid just from District Nine as well, because it that's just based on apartheid completely. Yeah. yeah. And that's like all as me being a white woman, young white woman growing up in America, like it just was never in my sphere of thought. And so watching this movie is just intriguing because it makes me need to go Wikipedia apartheid more and be like, so what all exactly happened? And then you think about millennia, the Generation Z or whatever underneath us. What are they going to know? If they ever watch this movie, it's going to feel like it's just a character in the movie and that it wasn't even a real thing. Like the, it's, yeah. it's just such a moment in history type of film because of that. It really, and it's the only one out of the four that really has that, like, stamp in history. I mean, the other one's, like, a product of the 80s, but that's about it. This is the only one that really has, like, a severe time stamp on it. Yeah. Which is interesting, really, in, in a way, because, you know, it's it's an action film, but, you know, a lot of action films, they, they don't have that very specific time stamp on it, whereas this no. one does because, because they would, like, you know, they wanted to kind of bring attention to apartheid a little bit more and i think sorry go ahead i feel like if this movie was made today for some sort of cause going on somewhere in the world today people would get mad at it for being political like get politics out of my entertainment yeah i mean social media has kind of ruined any chances of that Oh, it's it's hilarious on being on like Star Trek groups and every now and again a really right wing guy will come on and say, "God, I don't want what. Why do they have to be so political?" And it's like, have you ever watched Star Trek? It's been political since 1966. You know? <laughs> it was political when it started. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, like, and you just you you sort of like you see those comments and things like, that and you just think, oh, for God's sake, like seriously, like something that has always been like that. So yeah, imagine you go from Lethal Weapon to Lethal Weapon two today. And it had just been like, it all have been like Rotten Tomatoes reviews. Like there have been like so many people just giving it one one out of ten on IMDb be- just because it's it dares to you know have a message, as well oh, as yeah. being entertaining. This comes out in 2020, 2021, It gets review bombed. No, yeah. no other way around it. People absolutely yeah. review bomb it. Um, let's go into something fun. Let, let's go into our, our favorite moments. Are we ready for favorite moments? Indeed. Yeah. I'm going to let Chewie go first because, you know, she only saw, we'll go with a, a generous 80% of the movie. Hey, I tried. <laughs> I literally was sh- shaking myself be like, stay awake. For those of you who don't uh, get to watch movies with Chewie, which is pretty much everyone but me, um, <laughs> when she gets in this mode of I need to stay awake, it's very obvious because she'll go from laying down to sitting up to laying down to sitting up to sitting up at the end of the bed to sitting at the back of the bed to sitting on the side of the bed. It's like, oh, she's a, she's very tired right now. <laughs> It's hard, but I've worked. But I work, my body.
body has a stamp on it where it goes, you're going to sleep between 9.30 and 10. And if you try to stay awake past that, you're having a very difficult time. <laughs> I am so close to being 40, it hurts. <laughs> uh, but Got those 40-year-old aches. My 40, or my, my favorite... <laughs> By the way, I've also told Brian to let me know when he thinks I need to go get a CAT scan because my brain seems to be working less and less. I've told you to do it like a hundred times. You keep forgetting. Hey. Irony. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love the pool boy in the when they're going to go investigate the stilt house the first time because it's one of those. This is just one of those movies where I'm picking up on shit. Yeah. All the time. And they're pulling in, they're parking, and they're parking behind this guy who just is just fussing with his truck. And he's so obviously fussing with his yeah. truck. And he looks like he is an extra they picked up off the street because they forgot to hire someone. I think it's part of the camera department. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, what's he doing there? Like, is this guy going to be important later? And then you have Mel Gibson Riggs, who apparently just steals his shit at some point and pretends to be a pool guy. And then they cut back to him, and he's still by his truck going, hey, where's my stuff? Like, he's, he's just there flopping his arms around. And I'm like, world's worst pool boy. <laughs> Wait, why Definitely, is because there's no there? pools around does there anyway. On, does anyone on this cliff face road have a pool? I mean, that's a fair question. Like, I'm very, I was very invested in this no dialogue character. <laughs> I mean, well, they even asked that. There's no pretty pool here, mate. This house is built on stilts. <laughs> <laughs> so it just deepens the mystery even more. Like, who the hell is this guy? And yeah. where does he think he's going? So what we find out in a later version of this movie is that that's when Mel Gibson just robbed an FBI undercover agent. <laughs> um, all right, so I have quite a few that would be like my quote-unquote favorite moment. Um, but I think... Now I just want to go back to the one that I said wasn't going to be my favorite moment. Because the more I think about it, the more it is. I am going to go back to that one. I'm going to go back to just Joe Pesci reaffirming to Danny Glover that he is black. Yeah. That, that is, it's just so fucking funny. I was going to go to one of my backups, but I'm like, no, that might be my favorite moment yeah. in this movie. It is very funny. Uh, Matt, why don't you go? So I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to have two. Um... My favorite action sequence is the shootout on the beach. I just think it's so well choreographed. Like you've got the the helicopters in the distance, like the the sound design of it as well. You you can start to hear them in the distance before you see them, and then then you've got like, you know, you've then got the the helicopters like shooting Riggs's trailer, which uh, apparently they used four thousand squibs in that trailer. Um, wow. Yeah, that that's why it just it and it just like gets basically Swiss cheesed, um, and then you've got <laughs> squib cheese. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! Why didn't I think of that? And then you've got the, the you know the bit where um, it's just it's just wild. Like it, you know, he gets he gets out, he gets a, a weapon, he, he kills a couple of guys, and then you know he gets onto the top of his trailer, shoots shoots up one of the helicopters which has landed, and then you've got the the other helicopter comes up behind him and flies across. It's just so 
such a um, fantastic action sequence. And it just keeps this, like, going and going and going to, like, you know, the bit where he's then in the truck and then he shoots at the, the helicopter. And I just, I think it's so well done. And it's always been uh, one of the, like, the action sequences in all the Lethal Weapon films where I've always sort of thought, yeah, that's 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 just brilliant, that. It's so, it, you know, in terms of, like, how how you put together an action sequence, I think it's it's fantastic and again it's all because of the fact that it's all real as well there's like there's no miniature it's all you know full scale there's there's no sort of like cheating around it they you know they the great thing about these films is the the stunt work they the, you know they do everything full scale if they can you know like yeah. to the point they actually destroyed a full house you know like you know any other film they probably would have done that as a miniature but no they they did it full scale um, I, I just, I, just awesome. I think it's fantastic, and then my other one is the comedy is just um, Joe Pesci going on, going off on one about drive-throughs. Like they <laughs> fuck you with the drive-through, they fuck you with the drive. They know you're gonna be miles away before you find out you got fucked. <laughs> and apparently, <laughs> Pesci went on for about five minutes or something in that, <laughs> just just going off on one. It wasn't scripted or anything like that. It was just him. Uh, improvising. That's hilarious. You know what amazed me about that? I was like, when the hell did Subway have drive-throughs? <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I know, and I'm like, are they surprised did that their they order got goofed back up? Then? Yeah, they don't have that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that did strike me as very odd when I watched it, and I kind of put a pin in my the back of my mind for later, just like a drive-through at Subway. Weird. <laughs> Somewhere I want a drive-through. And then you can see when they pull out from the drive-thru, there's just someone sitting at the drive-thru window with, like, a bare room. Like, they're just standing in this, like, bare closet with, like, nothing in there. It's like, well, where's all the condiments that they'd be putting all the food on the sandwiches? Somebody so like, Google that. Did they have drive throughs at some point? I, I think we just stumbled upon a product placement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a very good one, though, is it? Because it's basically yeah. saying, don't, don't use it because they fuck up your order. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the lesson. Don't use a, a drive-thru from Subway. Um, so for my favorite moment, uh, I would use, I like the conversation that they have with their chief, um, kind of near the beginning where they're like, it's a shit assignment. This is a shit assignment. <laughs> and it kind of caps, like punctuates at the very end with the, I don't give a fuck. And eventually like rigs being that, that way with the cigarette. Yeah. And I think the wordplay there and the back and forth is really well done, well paced and very clever and quick. And, I think- uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that moment. The, 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 all the sort of interaction with the captains is brilliant because I think like they, like you know he's not in these films a lot, but it's the same character and it's the same actor who keeps coming back. But they always seem to have a really good chemistry. Like earlier, like very like straight after the the very opening sequence, where like you know the captain saying to Murtaugh, like Murtaugh, all that damage you caused downtown, it's coming out of the department's budget, and Murtaugh just fires back with fine, paid off in Kruger ends. I just it's, it's so. <laughs> You know that the the sort of the dialogue and the interplay between them has always been really good, and I think it's you know, I think the actor's uh, called Steve Catan or something like that, and he's he's one he's someone who shows up in a lot of Donna films. Like I I rewatched the original Superman film, funnily enough, the weekend before Donna died. It was it was really weird, uh, and he's in that, and he plays a cop in that. Um, so yeah, it's it's. He's like one of those actors who I think works with Donner a lot, but he's he's really good with with the you know sort of like fitting in well with uh, 
Gibbs, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover's sort of um, chemistry as well, and they, they play off each other really well. They do. Yeah. All right. Are you guys ready for double features? Oh, yes. All right, so my double feature, th- this one's going to be pretty easy, um, and I'm really hoping I'm not taking anybody's, but I'm going with the other guys. Mm. Um, and it's just, yeah, like, nice. I, I don't really need to say anything more than that. Like, if you want two buddy cop movies, I, I'm always going to, if I ever have to pair a movie that is a buddy cop film with another one, it's always going to be the other guys. It's such a good movie. Unless I'm reviewing the other guys, in which case it might still just be watch the other guys twice. No, it'd be the nice guys. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Chewie, what about you? Probably Tango and Cash. Because <laughs> if I had to choose between the two of them, I'd be like, I want to watch Tango and Cash. Well, you're supposed to be watching both of them. So you're I just... know. <laughs> but I'll watch this one first and be like, I'm going to watch Tango and Cash. <laughs> that works. Uh, Matt, what about you? I'm going to just like go for the low-hanging fruit and just Lethal Weapon, the first one. Because like, I didn't watch the first one. When like in preparation for this, I just I was just doing this the second one. But when I got to the end of watching the second one, the first time, I was like, man, I really want to go back and watch the first Lethal Weapon as well. So you got that feeling that I did at the beginning of this episode of like this wasn't a bad movie at all, but I kind of wish I watched the first one. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen the first one. All the little things that I remembered from Lethal Weapon was in this movie. Oh, that's interesting. Because does he do the shoulder yeah. dislocate? Oh, he does that in the first no. one too. That, that's in this one and then everyone. No, else. no, no oh. it's the, so yeah, it's the so second one. It's just this one. Yeah. I no, I don't know yeah. anything about the first movie. Huh. Which is quite funny because like I, I had the second one and the third one on video when I was a kid, and I didn't see the first one before I'd seen the second and third one. Um. So yeah, but I, yeah, I'll I just would go back. Watch the first one and then the second one, in that order. <laughs> yeah, I probably should watch it. It's a good movie. It's a very good movie. It's it's a very well written movie as well. It's like Shane Black's first script. Ah, Gary Busey's in it. Yeah, he is. Yep. If before he went absolutely batshit crazy, but was still a little I'm bit sure batshit crazy. John, what about you? Uh, I'm gonna go for a, a double feature of sequels. We're gonna watch this one, Lethal Weapon Two, and then Die Hard Two. Ooh. And it's just like same level of action, just scrappy male characters, explosions, and it keeps the buzz going, as it were. And you'll get to see the same gun. Mel Gibson's handgun in this movie is the same gun that they use in all the Die Hard movies. Oh. Same prop. Yeah. Nice. It's, nice. A, it's the yeah. same. Yeah, the same prop. It's um, it's the same same one that he uses in two, three, and four as well. Apparently, uh, Mel Gibson, Bruce Willis like that gun. <laughs> it's a good gun. <laughs> I feel like it works. A joke in there somehow. I'm sure there is. I, I was trying to figure it out myself. Yeah. But uh, you know. It feels good in their hand. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Found it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's do the uh, the quickest round of plugs and say goodbye. I will go first for the show and every the show on the ATH Network. Be sure to check out athpod.com. Uh, we have binge buddies coming up. We're just about done with season one, and then we're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, but Matt's here as well. I mean, we're having so much fun with this one, aren't we, Matt? Yeah, I cannot wait to talk about the next two episodes this Holy evening. Because, oh, well, <laughs> this evening for me, tomorrow for you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, but my God, the the two episodes we have to record are the, uh, it's the citizenship test and then the orgy. The orgy, yeah. And, 
fuck. <laughs> the, the citizenship test is a great episode. The orgy might be one of the funniest ones I've ever seen. This one doesn't count. <laughs> Don't tell anyone this is a bad orgy. <laughs> oh, I thought Mike threw a bad orgy. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Mike. <laughs> Ooh, is he a Babadook? No, I'm a Bababook. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, show's so fucking good. So be sure to check out uh, who, what, when, where, and why we do the shadows over at Binge Buddies. Uh, and watch the show as well, because the show is fucking brilliant. I mean, it really is. John, what about you? As always, Demon Days, the actual play podcast that we do. Uh, we're, we got another episode out this past week, and uh, we're gearing up for some big battles coming up. And that's about all I can say. Combat! I'll do better when I record my intro. Um, <laughs> Chewy, Matt, anything to plug? You legally cannot plug the show that you're working on yeah, because I'm sitting here. You're sitting there, and I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about it either. I don't remember what NDA I signed. I just signed it. I know what I signed, and you can't talk about uh, it. You should, prob- uh, you should probably... Um, Probably, probably get that cat scan then if you can't even remember the, what was in the NDA no, you signed. None of us ever read our NDAs. Read your contracts. No. The only problem, <laughs> problem is everything's digital now. I used to like gauge how important my NDA was by how thick it was, like how many pages it was. And now it's all digital. And I ain't going to count how much how long the scroll is. So, like, then it's give you a page like, count. Yes, yes, I consent. Yeah, yeah, I won't talk about it. <laughs> Nobody wants to two- talk about it. I mean, we just want it's a two-minute scroll, so it's very serious. <laughs> if there's a second page? Fine, I won't talk about it. So, so your NDAs are just basically turned into I have uh, I have read and agreed to the terms and conditions, right? Yeah, uh-huh, pretty much. Yeah. World's yeah, biggest okay. lie. Yeah, but the, the problem is that you can get way more fucked from your NDA yeah. than you can the terms and agreements. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen that South Park episode? That's fair. That that is that is fair. Would you, you like to be to a this. human sentai pad? No, I would not. So I could disagree. <laughs> oh man! All right, uh, Matt, anything to plug? Uh, no. I should have let you do the binge buddies. I'm sorry, stomped all over. Yeah, that. binge buddies. Go go listen to binge buddies. Like you know, if you if you don't if you're not into who uh, what we're doing the shadows. I don't want to know you, to be fair, because you know, what's wrong with you? Uh, but there's other things that we've done, we've covered in the past. You know, Venture Brothers, Frisky Dingo, uh, the Resident Evil movies. And if you're not into any of them, just just, just get yeah. in the sea. Yeah, I don't think we're, we're the show for you if you're not in any of that. <laughs> I don't think you're, you're the person for me if you're not in, yeah. into, into any of that. To be Definitely fair. not. But, um, yeah. If you hate the Exicles, that's fine. Go ahead and hate the Exicles. <laughs> The show, not not the characters. Yes, of course. Be very clear on that. <laughs> fuck that show. All right, is that it? We all done our, our pluggity plugs? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Then I should then I should say goodbye. Yeah, I gotta stay awake for Cyborg. <laughs> you do not have to stay awake for Cyborg. Yes, I do. You, you get to stay awake for Cyborg. <laughs> I'm okay, very excited that, about us so, going back on our Van Damme kick. Van Damme! All what, right, note what, to self, why? Cyborg podcast spin-off. Should do a Van, Damme, about it. a Van Damme month. I mean, Chewie and I have been doing like a Van Damme year. We yeah. just took a bit of a break. <laughs> yeah, we, how many, did we watch like six or seven? That's, I think six, yeah. Six Van Damme movies, back to back to back to back. It's a really great story about how I got.
Bozos.